0: Center and coming in as Bloom. he Centered. be that.
1: He got scores! And over at that flame bench, there's all kinds of excitement going on there. Score!
2: Flamestock with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The
0: Fan. Alright, this hour's underway. It is Monday, May 8th. Steinberg and Post Media's Wes Gilbertson with you. We welcome you to the sports drive brought to you by Calgary lock and safe make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit Calgary lock and stocks available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Hopefully your Monday is going along nicely. Now been exactly three weeks since Brad true walked away from the flames, which means the TM, team's GM search has been going on for three weeks-ish because I don't think it started in earnest right away. In fact, we know it didn't. Um, I think we're only a few days into the actual GM search. Yeah. Because they were really preoccupied with what was a very long and exhaustive internal review that led them up to last Monday's decision a week ago of parting ways with Daryl Sutter. So that was the priority. That internal review was the priority. That's what kept their time uh, so, I think like we're only at the, or at least from what I understand, and based on just a, a few people that I've checked in with and, and what you're hearing from around the league and some of the insiders that, yeah, I think that we're in the very infancy of the actual GM search, just kind of scratching the surface on some candidates, starting to talk to people. I don't know if they've even done quote unquote formal interviews right now when it comes to who the new GM is going to be.
2: Yeah. Everything you just said is is in line with what I understand, which is that until the decision came down on Daryl Sutter, Don Maloney was sort of all in on this review that he planned on doing. And I know that he mentioned in chatting with you last Monday that he'd started to cobble together a list of of names, that there were some that he knew, some that he didn't know. I think we're just really in the early stages of gathering info, having initial conversations, maybe arranging interviews. Have there been a couple possibly, but are they a long way down the road on this? I I really don't think so.
0: Uh, And and I mean, look, Craig Conroy and Brad Paschal remain... Uh, internal candidates. We're starting to hear some other names kind of be linked to the Flames externally. Uh, One of those was Stan Bowman, formerly of the Chicago Blackhawks. Elliot Friedman mentioned that Saturday during the Vegas-Edmonton game. Uh, Added a little bit more context on Monday's 32 Thoughts podcast. Now, we know that Bowman hasn't been with the Blackhawks since he stepped away after being uh, implicated in the Brad Ulrich sexual assault case and uh, all of what went down with those allegations. This was uh, a little bit more from Elliot Friedman on the 32 Thoughts podcast Monday.
3: I actually mentioned that it's believed that Calgary and Pittsburgh were among the teams that had interest in Bowman. So I mentioned on Saturday night that Teams were allowed to talk to them, but they haven't been cleared. Like they still have to be cleared by the commissioner. Now, a couple of people sent me a note that Gary Bettman was on the podcast with Bob McCown and John Shannon. The interview was taped on Thursday. It aired on Friday, and he said that teams were not cleared to talk to Bowman or Quenville yet. Now, I checked this on Saturday. I didn't go to air without checking it. You know, obviously, I'm going to take Bettman's word on the record as top. So, what I think is, is it's possible that there was some confusion here about what teams were and were not allowed to do. But I think that will be changed or has been changed by the time that this podcast drops on Monday. So, I think that's where we are. But I had heard that there were teams interested in talking to Bowman, mm-hmm. just like that they were potentially interested in talking to Quenville, but the league has the biggest say on this, as it should.
0: So that's Elliot on Stan Bowman and where his situation sits. He was linked to the Flames by Elliot on Saturday, which I don't love the idea. I, I really don't. I don't love how complicit he was in the Brad Aldridge uh, scandal. I really don't. Um, and... I also don't love the on-ice resume down the stretch prior to his time ending with Chicago. So that is not the direction I think the Flames should go.
2: No, I don't think speaking for myself, I don't think one of the things on your find a GM to-do list should be having to ask the league if they would reinstate him. I, I see a lot of candidates out there that, you don't have to do that with and i i personally again i can only speak for myself would be pretty disappointed if this was the direction that the franchise opted to go
0: i'm with you i don't i don't think it's the way they need to go i, I really really don't um, here are a few other external names that Could be in the mix again from Elliot Friedman on Monday's 32 Thoughts podcast.
3: I heard that Calgary interviewed some people that have been GMs before, and I've heard that they interviewed some people who have not been GMs before. I don't know 100%. They're really trying to keep it quiet, but as you know, I've mentioned Mark Hunter a couple of times. I think he's in the radar there. I think they're also looking at some people who are still going in the playoffs. Like, oh, like I don't know that these two names are on Calgary's radar 100%, but I've heard that, you know, people whose teams are still in the playoffs that might want to be talked to are, you know, Eric Tulski's name in Carolina. Carolina. Actually, I think there's been a couple of different names in Carolina. I think Tulski's name has been up. I think Aaron Schwartz's name has been up. And someone told me they even heard Darren York's name somewhere. So I think there's a couple people in Carolina's office that people want to talk to. I've heard Brandon Pridib's name in Toronto, and I've also heard Rich Peverly's name in Dallas and uh, Jason Botterell in Seattle. So I think that there are going to be people there who are still in the playoffs that are still going to be part of some of these conversations. So, you know, it's up to these teams about when they're willing to let people speak so I, I think Calgary has gone for some people who've been GMs before. I think they've looked at some people who haven't. So that was Elliot
0: Friedman on the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast. By the way, some of the names that uh were in there. You've got uh, Eric Tulsky, who is one of the assistant general managers with the Carolina Hurricanes. Darren York is also an assistant general manager in Carolina. Aaron Schwartz is Carolina's director of hockey operations. So there were a couple of um, there were a couple there that were you know those that's the first time that we've heard them. Now he did go out of his way to say, I don't know how much these are on the radar for the Flames, but these are names that he's heard have been spoken to and. Rich Peverly was in there. Pridham was in there uh, in Toronto. So there's a few more names to consider, at least on the external front for the Flames.
2: Yeah, and and that, if if they are indeed all on the Flames' radar, that would just show me and should show everyone else what a sort of wide net they're casting here. I mean, Eric Tulsky, the assistant general manager in Carolina, is an analytics whiz, right? That That's how... He has come to be on these lists as he, he is considered one of those at the forefront of data research and how that can help you build a hockey team. Brandon Pridham, the assistant general manager who you always see if you've been watching the playoffs, that's the gentleman sitting with Cal, Cal Dubis Dube. and Jason Spezza always in the box. He's a capologist. His immediate impact on the Toronto Maple Leafs was in in what Brad Treloven used to always call salary cap gymnastics. Rich Peverly is a guy who played in the NHL for a long time and has come up through player development, and
0: he is now a, a director of player personnel with the Dallas Stars.
2: Mark Hunter, who is is one of those guys who's been a hockey lifer, he's you know the general manager and and vice president and a whole bunch of other titles right now for the OHL's London Knights. He was an assistant GM in Toronto until he was the runner-up to Cal Dubas for that GM job. And so I outline that experience as a way of saying that this is a wide net. If you're looking at the capologist and the analytics guy, and you're looking at the guy who won a Stanley Cup with the Flames in 89 and has been around the game in a playing or management capacity forever, that's a pretty wide list of candidates. And if they're all on the radar, that that's a wide net for the Flames. as. I think we both believe it should be.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I still believe there is a lot of merit to going internal. I really do. Uh, I, I think when when you think about what Craig Conroy could mean from a PR standpoint, I, there's a lot to be said about how that could work and, and how that could Who be. Who he might thing. have
2: on his staff
0: who he might have on his staff, just maybe the all-time leading scorer in Flames history, the all-time leader in almost everything. Um, you know, that, that could be a nice... And, and do you run your business in the NHL strictly on PR? No, but I do think that sometimes it, especially when things have been negative like this and you've got an experienced guy like Craig Conroy on your staff or like Brad Pascal on your staff, I There's reason to think internally. I mean, the Conroy PR it, in and of itself
2: put another would win the day. Put another way, it, you really have to weigh the PR if you're going to look past a uh, fan favorite who you've been preparing for this role and hire someone who you have to go ask the NHL if they're willing to reinstate. Yes. Yeah. That is a PR swing of monumental proportions. Yep. But I want to bring something up because I think it's GM searches are a little bit different. And and so I think this is important to keep in mind. It is very significant to a would-be general manager candidate to have your name on these lists that you see floating around. We talk all the time in Calgary about the fact that Craig Conroy was a finalist for the Buffalo Sabres position in, was it 2017?
0: It sounds right. But when Jason Botterill got the
2: job. Right. when Botterill's
0: name was mentioned in there as well as potentially being involved.
2: When you hear Ray Whitney's name come up, if it does, you're going to hear that he was a finalist for the San Jose Sharks job last year. You're going to, the best thing you can be, In discussions like this, unless you've previously been a GM, the best thing you can be is a finalist for a position or a guy who was considered, you have to sort of, it's almost in a weird way, like the Selkie trophy. You have to get in that mix of candidates. Your name has to get bandied about in those circles. And so where teams are airtight about going about their own business you're going to hear a lot of names that got put on lists, whether that was a GM phoning to say, Hey, look at my candidate. Let me tell you about the things this guy has done. You're you're what, no matter who's vouching for them in a GM search, you're going to hear a lot of names floating around. And I just caution everyone to sort of keep that in mind. The Calgary flames. Aren't going to interview 35 people but you might hear 35 names connected to this GM position and the Stan Bowman stuff. And and I'm never discrediting Elliot. I'm sure whatever he's reporting, if he says the flames are interested, there was some interest at, at some point there, but that could be as simple as Stan Bowman reaching out to the flames. Yeah, People want to be on these lists. They want to be in the mix for these jobs. It's how you get these jobs. And so just keep that in mind as you hear the lengthy list of names that you're going to hear over the next week or two or whatever it is.
0: And I mean, look, I I think it is important to speak with external candidates before you go internal. I do. Um, I just with with all of what happened last summer and the course that this organization was set on and the fact that the Flames wanted to keep Brad Trilliving as the general manager and It was a parting of ways. The Flames did not fire fire Brad for Living. They did not go to him and say, we do not want to extend your contract. They weren't able to come to an agreement. And there was, I think it was clear three weeks ago at that news conference that they wanted Brad to stay. And they were upset that he didn't stay. And there were reasons why he didn't, absolutely. But I think knowing that, I think there's value and I I get the it's time to go external and you you need to move on, need a new voice. I just think some continuity and some familiarity with what is on this team right now and what happened this past summer and the new course the organization was set on. I think there's something to having somebody promoted and keeping a little bit of that continuity, and it's not like Conroy or Pascal are not going to have new ideas. I mean, I I know that they're they have different views on things. That's why Tree had them on staff, and that's like the the amount of like Conroy was kind of the the right hand guy in a lot of the NHL decision making, and 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 I know that there were not like heated disagreements where they couldn't be in the same room, but I know that there have been times when. Certain things have been brought up and they've disagreed, and maybe that has made it so they, the flames don't go down that road because that was one of the things that Tree was really good at is is listening to all the opinions on his staff before making a decision. And and so yeah, there have been disagreements before. That's what you want to have inside a hockey ops department. So I don't know. I I, I do, and of course I'm, I'm I'm biased. You know, we're talking about guys who are good friends of the program and good friends of the station, and people that you build rapports with. But in this situation, after the year that was had, where at least in my belief, and, and I know there are others who don't believe this, and that's fine, but for me, I felt like this was a better team that underachieved in a massive way this season. I really do think, I don't think that every single one of us, you, me, many of you listening, many of you who text in, I don't think we were so completely off base on what this team could be this year coming into the season. I don't think that all of a sudden, experts around the NHL, opposing coaches, opposing players, you and me, you listening, if you felt this way, I don't think that all of us just all of a sudden forgot how to evaluate a hockey team and we were so completely off base that this team could do some really special things this year. Obviously, they didn't, but they underachieved, in my opinion, in a big way. And you're kind of set with some of these contracts. And so because of that, I wonder if continuity and going internal, and you talked about how they've been grooming Conroy for this for more than a decade. I don't know. I just think there's a a real value in considering that really heavily here.
2: I want to look at the sort of value of an internal candidate going the other direction. And that's not just knowing the direction that got them to this point, but we've talked at length and we, will continue to because it has sort of franchise-altering summer written all over it. You've got seven unrestricted free agents after next season that I would consider to be relatively key pieces. And so you've got Tanev, Hannafin, Zadorov, and Oliver Shillington, who it sure sounds like will be back next season on the blue line. You've got Tyler Toffoli, Michael Backlund, and Elias Lindholm up front. And I think one of the best sort of arguments it's something I'd be putting on the table if I was Craig Conroy or Brad Pascal. is that you have relationships with those seven guys you you have a sort of leg up on at least the discussions about what it's going to take to keep them here you're not going through the part where a new general manager is building a relationship with those guys and by the by the time you have the relationship built by the time you've maybe made up your mind on whether you want them back in Calgary, you're at January and then, and then you're sort of left with not a ton of time to make a decision on what direction you might go with them. And so I, I do think that the continuity of having an internal candidate can really help there. And yet I, I'm, I haven't looked at the text line in the last little bit, but I'm sure some people are saying, no, we haven't had the results. It's got to be someone there are, from outside. Sure. And And I get that too, but at this juncture, I think the potential of taking one of your internal candidates, and it's not like you don't have strong internal candidates. I think the value of them and the relationships that they have as it pertains to what next summer might look like with all your soon-to-be UFAs, I think there could be some real value there.
0: A uh, few other talking points. Uh, it's Patton West this hour on Flames Talk. A few minutes. Mitch Love of the third round bound Calgary Wranglers will join us. Our regular chat with the head coach of the Wranglers will join us in just a few as they get set to take on Coachella Valley. Uh, the top two teams in the American League will go head to head in the Pacific Division final. Winner will move on to the Western Conference final, which goes from best of five to best of seven and the Calder Cup finals after that last year. Wranglers made it to the fourth round of the playoffs. It's it's a five-round playoff in the Pacific because they have that best-of-three play-in, which the Wranglers got the bye on. So it's round three, but it's really round two. It's kind of like, okay. But
2: it's the division finals. The
0: division finals, yes. Western Conference finals after that. But best-of-five against Coachella Valley, and they had to work against Abbotsford. Like, I know they end up beating them three games to one, but every one was a one-goal game. Twice they had to win an overtime and they had to stage a bit of a comeback on Friday in the third period after trailing two games to one. The, the most important thing is that they avoided the possibility of having to play those three straight games on the road. Cause that was the one thing when the schedule got announced, how is the American league letting this happen? Well, the, the Wranglers didn't have any say in that they could either choose starting on the road or starting at home. They chose to start at home, but yeah, they avoided that eventuality of playing three straight on the road.
2: But it very well could become a storyline in this series. The, this, Same situation. This is going to be like Wrangler's Coachella Valley is is going to be a slobber knocker of a series. We're talking about the only two teams in the AHL that had 100 plus points this season. They split their eight game regular season series 4-4 four, four. like this. This is going to be an absolute doozy. And the Wranglers have, again, opted to open at home. And in a tight window.
0: Thursday, Friday.
2: Yeah, Shania's in town updating everyone on who's better boots have been under. And then a couple of Wranglers games. And then, is it Roughnecks on Saturday? Roughnecks Saturday, yep. Man, that building never stops now.
0: Yeah. And you know what? It's perfectly set up for it. It doesn't need to be replaced. It clearly is with the times. Love that place but I'm glad it eventually is going To be replaced that's a story for another time Though that is a story for another time we do not need to get into that. But, yeah, they've got a very tight window before they play potentially three straight in Coachella Valley or Palm Springs, yeah. where they're, if you're not aware, that's the number one affiliate of the Seattle Kraken. They've got some of the highest-scoring players in the playoffs. Cole Lind, uh, the former Canucks prospect, is having a really good postseason for them. Uh, obviously, they don't have the reinforcements that Abbotsford had because Seattle's playing in round two of the playoffs right now. But Coachella Valley, especially early, gave the Wranglers all kinds of fits. But what I think would give you confidence is they played two really good games there in the latter part of the season in Palm Springs. They beat them both. I think they were both three, one scores, but they beat them both in regulation in the final 15 games of the season. And that is something that I think, and they held them off. Coachella Valley was that team. to like, well, watch out for the games in hand. Like the Wranglers are in number one spot, but Coachella Valley has got all these games in hand and the Wranglers held them off. So I think it's going to be a very difficult series, but I think it's a, a one that I, like I think it's going to probably go four or five again.
2: Yeah. But oh yeah,
0: I think Calgary's got a chance to win this and be playing in the Western Conference Final again.
2: I'd have to double check this. I was looking at the standings earlier. I'm pretty sure that both of these teams lost 17 games in regulation all season. So 72 game season, they each lost 17 in regulation, and four were to each other.
0: Yeah. Because none of their games went, went to overtime. Yep.
2: Yeah, and and if you talk to those around the Wranglers, and you and I have spent a, a bunch of time at the rink this last um, couple of weeks, enjoy
0: right. seventeen regulation loss.
2: Yeah, for both. I I think the Calgary Wranglers expected the sort of scare, if that's the right word, that they got from Abbotsford. Like they knew that was going to be a really tough out, and even hanging around practice this morning at WinSport they feel like there was a lot of value in how tight that series was because Coachella Valley had to go through the play in and, and actually got taken to a third game in that best of three. Then they were down 2 one in their series, the best of five, the Colorado to five Eagles. Colorado Eagles. And in both of their, in both of their w- win or go home scenarios have absolutely exploded out of the gate and hung like five or whatever on their opponents. Like that, They've had some adversity in these playoffs, and I think the Wranglers are, are glad that that Abbotsford series was as challenging as it yeah. was. I know we're going to chat with Mitch. I, I chatted with him for a few minutes earlier at the rink, and I know he sees a lot of value in that style of hockey they had to play, how chippy that series got, just everything that playoff hockey kind of looks like. He thinks that it's really going to benefit this team.
0: Uh, Game one is Thursday, game two, Friday. Tickets available at the Scotiabank Saddledome for Calgary and Coachella Valley as uh, they meet in the Pacific Division Final in the American Hockey League as Calgary's Calder Cup playoffs continue. With Wes, I'm Pat. We're underway. This hour of Flames Talk, Mitch Love, in just moments as we're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things Basement Team. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. anything and everything Calgary Flames it's all on Flames Talk, Sportsnet 960 the fan time to go inside hockey this Monday for Calgary Co-op with new product families member rewards and sale events you'll find more quality more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op Steinberg Wes Gilbertson along with you and it's a Monday which means we check in with the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers Mitch Love joins us now the Wranglers are off to round three of the ahl playoffs as they wrapped up their series with abbotsford abbotsford friday night three two win in game four they win the best of five three games to one and next up coachella valley in a best of five that starts thursday thursday friday at the scotia bank saddledome for games one and two before the series shifts to palm springs mitch joins us on the atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline right now mitch how are we doing today
1: Doing all right, guys. How are we doing today?
0: Doing well. Good to hear from you. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that we're talking to you after a, a few days to digest a win and maybe not a heart stopper in game five. Uh, how, uh, how are you feeling after game four on Friday night and just knowing that you're moving on and uh, you've ticked off another box on the checklist?
1: Well, it was a tight series. Um, I mean, obviously all four games, one, one goal games and, um, you know, it could have went either way. I mean, two, two overtime wins by us at home. And, um, you know, we, we knew we were going to, you know, face their best, uh, being on home ice, um, you know, with their backs against the wall and, in a best of five and, and there was all that and more. And, and, uh, you know, we, we took our lumps a little bit on, on uh, Wednesday in, in Game 3. And then, you know, I, I really liked the kind of our response in Game 4 to close out the series there. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I thought our group learned a lot in the, the four games against that team. And, and really, if you want to look at it, it, it was a seven-game series based on yeah. in the last three games in the regular season against them as well in their building. So it, it was good. Um, you know, we... we we knew that was going to be a huge test for us, and, and now it's on to the next, which is uh, obviously this time of year when you move on, you're you're going to face even greater tests.
0: I, I, I want to go back to game four on Friday night. Your group's down 2-1 after 40 minutes of play, and, and just watching the way your group came out. Now, I'm watching from afar. I'm not there, but, you know, watching the way your group came out to play in the third period, it determined, looked like, you're like, okay, we've got an opportunity, to win a period, win a series. You went out, you did that. Just how did you like... Your battle level that entire game in Game Four, and, and how you're able to rise to the occasion in that final twenty minutes.
1: Well, it's playoff hockey. I, I mean, I think I said it after Game Two when we were down three-one and, and then tied it and, and won an overtime. That your you, your your team's got a sense that you're never out of it, and and you got to keep pushing. You got to keep building your team game, and um, you know, it was, it was pretty much the same thing in Game Four. I mean. You know, we had a we had a tough start. They scored early on in the hockey game. They, they they had a lot of juice. Uh, they were buzzing early on, and um, you know, I felt like we weathered that storm for the most part, just keeping it to you know one goal and then tying it on the power play. And then I thought from that point on, you know, through um, you know even even in the second period, it was pretty even. I mean, they had a few power plays. We got some some good penalty kills um, from our group there, and and then you know the third period, we just kind of. You know, we threw things in a blender in terms of our lines just to kind of maybe get some guys away from certain matchups that they were looking for, and, and um, you know, I thought the guys really responded in the right way, and, and we kind of started to play our game. We didn't give them much. I, I thought they, you know, by the time they got out of their end of the ice, they were they were coming to the neutral zone and, and having to dump pucks, um, which meant that we were spending a little bit of time in their end and, and being efficient, you know, in, in terms of trying to get pucks to the net and, and just trying to find that next goal, I think, you know, it could have been a different game going down 3-1 in the third. Um, but once we made it 2-2, I thought we kind of took a deep breath and, and kind of just started to chip away. And, and then obviously Clapper getting a big goal for us there, uh, with seven minutes left and, and, um, you know, and then we locked things down towards the end.
0: Important that and look I mean I I don't think that you weren't expecting Abbotsford to push you because that was the first thing that you said to us as we were getting ready for the series is that you were expecting a big test from that group they were getting some players back from the big team all that type of stuff and and as you mentioned one goal games in all four of them but how how important is it as as a top seed and you don't get the the first round series to really be pushed in in your first best of five like just in terms of building as the playoffs goes along how important is that
1: well it's huge um this is the toughest time of year to 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 win and and you got to do little things and you know you got to kind of stay even keeled there's momentum swings on both sides and you know, we, we've got some veteran players that have been through it, but we also got some young players too that that haven't been through it at this level. And so, this is a great experience for them. Um, no greater experience than going through a four-game series with with Abbotsford, who we always felt, I think, throughout the year that they were a premier team in our division. Um, and, and it was it was chippy, it was edgy, it was dirty, if you want to call it that. It, it was a it was a war for our guys. So I, you know, to kind of go through that and get a taste of it you know as we move on to Coachella and and, you know there's a lot of similarities between the the two teams Um, you know I I hope it's going to be something that we can learn from uh, what what worked for us what didn't work for us and and try to apply that here to to this next series. Well
0: and and, uh, you talk going into the series against Abbotsford about choosing the first two games at home it ends up working for you your confidence in playing on the road and and you go the same route this time around with taking the first two games on home ice like i i can i i get the sense that that was a no-brainer decision for you but was it a no-brainer to take the first two at home again
1: uh, i think i mean people are going to probably you know question you uh, you know and those decisions that go into it if it doesn't work out, but then when it does work out, nobody really says a, a, peep, a peep about it. So yeah. I, you know, we we feel. And I was asked a question after Game Three in and, Abbotsford and by one of their local writers, like, you know, what went into that decision? I, I I don't know. We we've been a good team at home all year. We've been a good team on the road all year. So you know, pick your poison. And. You know, you you get a chance to play at home. Uh, it gives you a few extra nights at home and and your own beds and your own building and 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 then obviously your own practice facility here in, in Calgary and and you got to try to take take advantage of your, your your opportunities at home and then you know if you if you do that part you got to go try to win at least one or you know potentially two on the road to close out a series. So it's it is what it is. It's it's the beast that our our leagues come up with with this format. Um, I don't know if there's a perfect science behind it. Uh, we did it this way last year twice uh, in these best of fives. And, yep. You know, we're hoping history repeats itself.
0: Mitch Love's with us, head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. They open their third-round series Pacific Division final against the Coachella Valley Firebirds on Thursday at the Dome. Thursday, Friday, go check them out. First two games on home ice were outstanding. A couple of overtime wins last week for the Wranglers and Thursday, Friday of this week for games one and two of this best of five. Mitch with us is Pat and Wes Gilbertson as well. Wes?
2: Mitch, I'm gonna be asking you to repeat yourself a little bit because you and I had a conversation probably a week or so ago about Adam Klapka and his sort of evolution and learning to use his size, six foot eight and two hundred and thirty-five pounds to his full advantage, and and then he goes out and scores the series clinching goal that you alluded to earlier. I know you said the other night in Abbotsford it was nice to see him get rewarded. Can can you just Take us through how he earned that reward this season, the way you've you've seen him sort of evolve as his first pro season in North America has gone on.
1: Well, I think it's you know again we it's our jobs to you know we spend you know countless hours as as a team and as a staff and and whatnot on our individuals and and I think he's just an example of a guy that you know it's just it's it, it's taken him a little bit of time to get accustomed to, to this league and, and playing on a smaller rink. I know he played junior a little bit, but that's a different beast. And, um, you know, I think he's just kind of started to earn uh, the trust of the coaching staff in, in terms of getting him out there a little bit more frequent. Uh, you know, he's been a big part of our power play over the last two or three months, just obviously his frame in, in, in front of the net. Uh, good luck looking through that as a goaltender. And, you know, I think just, you know, he's he's starting to understand the tools that he needs to use to be effective at this level and, and hopefully beyond. And I think it's still a work in progress. There's no doubt about that. I'd say it's probably more, more or less the consistency um, component that, that he needs to play with um, to be effective. Um, but he's come a long ways, and he, he's very he's very coachable. Um, he's a young player, a bigger guy, so those guys typically take a little bit longer in terms of their path. Um, but you know, he scored two big goals for us in that that series. You know, and and he, and I said that after the game um, to to the media in, in Vancouver is is just. You need guys like him. You need the obs of the world that scored the tying goal. You need guys like that in the playoffs to just come up with, you know, big goals and big moments. And, you know, when maybe some of your key players aren't as effective. And, you know, he did that in that series. And that's hopefully a confidence builder for him moving forward into this next series.
2: A lot of us on uh, social media have seen the clip of his dance moves going by the bench. Do you want to take any credit for teaching him those?
1: Well, you guys have seen me practice enough as a coach. I I have heavy boots out there, so uh, there's no way I can move as quickly as he can, nor any of the other players on our team. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what the story is behind that one. I I understand there's, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, realm of of why that's the dance out there right now. I think my daughter does one of those, and she's nine. So uh, I I don't try to figure that stuff out too much, as long as the – as long as we're on the, the right end of uh, you know situations like that.
2: Tell me a little bit about the impact of, of Nick Simone. He's a guy that we saw up with the Flames briefly in November. He, he leads your team in playoff scoring so far with five points, but I, I know his impact on your group goes so far beyond that. So tell us a little bit about what makes him such an important part of your blue line.
1: Uh, He's just a, he's a pro. I mean, this is a guy that plays a lot of minutes for us in in every situation. Uh, He plays against top lines. He, you know, he's key to our power play. He's key in our penalty kill. Um, But there's a process to how he gets there and why he's there. And that's, again, trust from the coaching staff. Um, His professionalism daily, I mean, he, he puts a lot of work into his body. He puts a lot of work into his craft practice. Um, you know he, he, you know when you think he's kind of tiring, he's not just because he he he's a pro and you know his work that he's done with our young defensemen along with Colton Pullman and Nick Nick Milosz this year. I mean, you, you look at those guys and then you you look at kind of the left side of our D and it's young. It's a young group of defensemen with with Solyov's twenty two and and uh, Kuznetsov and Pori are twenty and those guys have been you know pretty much regulars for our team all year. Um, he's a big part of their development, uh, you know? Um, and, and you know, I, I said this, and I think Brad Paschal and I were talking about this, you know, even after the game. We're fortunate we have him under contract for next year because he's been really good for our group, and he's had a good hockey season for himself personally. Uh, obviously got awarded to play in the National Hockey League this year, um, and, and he's earned every right to, to be there, and, and he's a big part of our team.
2: Last one for me, we don't see back-to-backs a ton in the playoffs at you know in any sort of professional level or at least here in North America how does that change maybe the strategy or the preparation for a coach knowing that games one and two are going to be on back-to-back nights
1: well we can thank Shania Twain for that one um, <laughs> probably at the end of the day yep. um, so but uh, in all reality I mean it is what it is I mean it's you know, it's kind of the you know the makeup of the American Hockey League in terms of getting series done in, in a, a certain amount of time, and um, you know, again, you, again, you got to be smart. You got to be smart with your shift length. You got to try to play the game with a lot of discipline in terms of not you know having to kill too many penalties or, or even frankly getting too many power plays. Um, you know, so you got to manage your bench a little bit, but at the end of the day, you got to win. You got, you got to find guys that are going to get the job done for you. And, um, you know, and then you got to kind of manage your, your, your rest to work ratio the next day in terms of, you know, do we bring them to the rink? Do we we trim up our meetings? To what do we do? What keep guys off the ice, which is typically what we do on the back-to-backs, you know, so our our guys are are pretty good in terms of understanding what works for them in terms of maximizing the rest headed into back-to-backs and, Um, you know, but again, this league is littered with back to back. So it's, it's nothing really new for our guys.
0: Mitch loves with us head coach Calgary Wranglers. They start off against Coachella Valley on Thursday, best of five series next round for the Wranglers in the Calder cup playoffs. Uh, The top two teams, Mitch in the American league this year, both resided in the Pacific division. You were four and four against them. I know some of the losses came much earlier in the season as your group was finding your legs. You had those two really strong outings in Coachella Valley late in the season just tell us about the challenge they present and and tell us about what you know about your next opponent in a best of five
1: well they're a good team i mean they're, they're i think if you looked at our league as a whole you know obviously outside of our our team and what kind of regular season we had they're they're right there not just points but they i think everybody kind of had them pegged uh to be at the top all year long and you know, they're 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 well coached. Um, you know, Dan Bilesma I got a ton of respect for and, and you know what he's done his career, he's a Stanley Cup champion. Um, he knows what he's doing back there and, and it starts with him. And then you, you go through the roster, they you know, outside of, of Wolfie and what he's done this year, Joey DeCord's been excellent for them. Um you know, their defense is, is you know, I would say four or five guys are are good American hockey league veteran guys have played some NHL games. Um, you know, they, they know what they're doing. And then there are four groups, you know, older with a couple of young guys. And, and then, and they just, they know what they are. They play a certain brand of hockey that, you know, they're in your face. Um, they're, they they've got some skill. They can score. They can keep the puck out of their net. So this is, there's a lot of similarities between both hockey clubs, um, I mean, I'd like to think if you're a fan, this is going to be something that you really want to pay attention to. Uh, We anticipate this to be a long series. Uh, We hope we're on the right side of it, and uh, we've got our hands full here. No different than Abbotsford, and it only gets greater and greater each and every series you go through the playoffs if you want to try to chase something special down, and and, uh, we're excited for this opportunity and this challenge that's in front of us
0: uh good luck through the rest of the week of practice mitch and uh good luck when you drop the puck on thursday night at the dome we'll be watching appreciate it as always and we will talk again next week thank you so much sir
1: sounds great thanks a lot guys
0: He is Mitch Love. He's the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers off to round three of the AHL playoffs. He joins us every Monday, and he joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op Wine Spirits Beer today. As we start to wrap up this hour, um, all I can say is get out there and watch the first two games at the Dome were great. Friday's crowd uh, for game two, a little bit more than a week ago, was awesome. And Thursday, Friday, back-to-back, get out there. It's fun.
2: Yeah, Mitch, now that this series is going to be so good. If you're a a fan, you're going to want to catch some of this hockey. He's Wes Gilbertson of
0: Post Media. He's on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. Taylor and Cam have been our producers this hour as we start to wrap things up. That'll do it for the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit CalgaryLockAndSafe.com.